0: The sports guys been powered back for the second time in a couple of weeks, which is a pretty uh, pretty good uh, ratio compared to the last year and a half. <laughs> and got Vince on the line, um, friend of the pod from, well, member of the pod from years ago. What to do? Yeah, how's it going? Good, good. Um, well, I mean, we're coming off the back of a Liverpool win, but then off the back of a tim- bad Timbers loss as well. So it's a bit of bit of both, a bit of good and bad. So,
1: you know. We've said over all the years that that's kind of how the weekends feel, and they play on the same weekend. It's they never can both win. Maybe they both lose, but yeah. they never both <laughs> ever win. So
0: yeah, oh. no, the, yeah. There you go. There's the cat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, the both both losing things not not something that we're uh, not not strangers to, but both winning on the same weekend is a lot more rare. Uh, I'd say yep. I'd say I can't even remember the last time it happened. So, but um, probably towards the end of last year, actually, because both were on a good run, but. Yeah. We can start on the Timbers. Um, you've obviously got your finger on the pulse a lot more there than I do over here on the upside down. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, a rough one this weekend. Kind of probably predictable a little bit uh, for many reasons. A, you know, the Timbers always start slow on the road, and that's never slow. You know, MLS is just slow on the road, no matter who you are, where you play. For the most part, MLS teams are. Not great on the road, um, but the Timbers seem to exemplify that always, especially early in the year. So, um, but it was funny that last uh, March 10th of 2018 was also a absolute boat race uh, as the Red Bulls. Last year they went to the Red Bulls in their second game and were torched for nothing. I remember watching that game, thinking, "Oh my goodness, what what is this season going to be? What what are we going to become?" and Obviously, everything turned out just fine. Uh, Once they got back in the friendly confines of home, went on a nice little run of three, what, three months or two and a half months of not losing a game. Um, So, yeah, you know, it it was ugly. I watched the first half intently and and thought they played well. Uh, Definitely were sitting back and trying to just kind of go on the counter a lot. But that's, I think, even though that's not really what Gio would want to play, that's kind of the reality, I think, of the team he's been – uh, given mm-hmm. and so it looked good in the first half you know they were they were down two one but late goal kind of got them um, ran out at half time to grab dinner uh, and had the DVR running and while I was out was got my phone blown up with oh my god this is pathetic this is terrible <laughs> what is happening and, and I was like well maybe I don't go sit and watch so just caught highlights of the second half saved myself the agony and pain um, yeah sometimes so, what yeah. you gotta do
0: um, so I guess the first, just on the game itself, uh, defensive, I, I haven't had the chance to obviously being over here. We Timbers games are a hard one to cat, get on TV over here. I haven't had too much of a chance to watch mm-hmm. apart from just little highlights. Uh, where, what, where do you, where are your thoughts on the, um, the, uh, defensive setup as well as, as well as moving through the gears up forward as well? Cause there's been a bit of talk about the lack of, you know, real player movement inwards at portland over the over the off season um so is it something that is a little bit stale or is it just it's something that's going to take some work through the sit through the early parts of the season to get get moving
1: and in the right direction with what we've got uh i'd i'd like to well i don't like to think i guess but i think a little bit of both um casante definitely has looked rough in the two first two games this year in that center oh my god in the center back position um He's Jesus Christ. He's looked a little lost at times. Sorry, we got a cat. We have we have a third party here, um, but every he's looked man, lost at times. Yeah. Every, member the,
0: every member, of the pod has a cat that annoys them at some point, so I think it's just part of it. <laughs>
1: yeah, anyway, part, anyway, part of the part of the part of the club. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, one of the goals in the first first match were directly on him. It seemed he had there's MLS is still giving credit to Ramirez for the the second LA goal right before half, but it, it was an own goal on on Casante for sure. Um, he just seems to lose his man in the box a lot and, and just kind of lost out there. Uh, Jorge hasn't been playing well, surprisingly on the, on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I am curious too, as far as defenders, how long via or excuse me, Valentin keeps his spot. Uh, you know, he was, I think one of, if not the maybe brightest story of last season, how he came in, won the job unexpectedly. And, um, you know, really seemed like a lot of times like the heart and soul of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, his work ethic and kind of gritty attitude really, I think, is something the team fed off of. But, um, you know, we'll see if he can keep that spot. They did give another um, back, you know, this offseason that you know, I don't really know much about, unfortunately, coming, you know, from a foreign league that I haven't really paid attention to. So um, I think for me, you know, those guys are all kind of struggling and, and suffering, hopefully just trying to settle in still. Um, even though it's the same squad as last year, virtually that's been mm-hmm. starting these matches minus Reggie, um, and, and Guzman, I think, you know, it, he's really struggling out there. I thought we saw signs of it last year. Even, uh, he was, I thought our weakest player out there during the stretch run. Um, but you know, was serviceable and, but he's really, I thought, I think he's looked rough. So, um, you know, I We've got some, you know, Bill Saloma played well last year, I thought, in the playoffs when he was called upon, which wasn't often. But, you know, uh, Larry's got hurt, and Riggi, I feel like, was out for a match, too. And Bill came in, and I, I thought he played well. So we'll see if he or Christian Paredes up in the mid get get some, some runs. But um, so far, not so good back there, for sure.
0: Yeah. And uh, as far as the um, midfield and forward line goes, I mean, we've still got the uh... – you know, the, the dynamic duo that is just pretty much Portland Timbers football, which is Chara and Valeri. Um, otherwise, <laughs> and then we can get to Chara in a sec, but otherwise, uh, we're your yeah. <laughs> uh, thoughts with uh, in, in regards to the rest of uh, the team kind of as we click through the gears, you know, defence is one thing, but then we've got to have that drive for midfield. And then, I know I was watching Artie today or yesterday, I think, and I, st- I miss that guy still. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know it's funny. A couple things there. Like Adi is interesting. I know when he first left last season, um, you know it was weird because Armanteos was there playing well, and then he kind of fell off. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden in the USL for Cincinnati, Adi had a few, at least one that I remember very memorable. Um, But he had a couple goals that had us all like, oh no, what what did we let go of? But Mm -hmm. um, I've already kind of seen some rumblings in preseason and and whatnot of people like, oh, there's the Audi we knew and, and love kind of lazy and offsides a lot and, and whatever. But uh, as far as this team, you know, I always found it really interesting uh, that the big push this offseason seemed like they wanted a DP striker. Mm-hmm. They were going to go out and reportedly spend $10 million on a striker, which is, if you're a Timbers fan, it's great to hear, in my opinion, that like, you know the fear, I think, is as the league grows, we get teams like Atlanta who have money and are doing it well and going out and buying great players. That we don't want to fall behind, we don't want to, you know, become a big club league. And we're just all of a sudden a little Portland team that, that has a good season here and there, but most part isn't very good, mm-hmm. a lot, maybe the Blazers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's what we don't want to be. We're, we're kind of in a spot right now, like last two years, the, the Timbers have had a share of the Western Conference in some way, whether last year they won the. The you know postseason Western Conference the year before they were Western Conference regular season champs so mm-hmm. um, you know we want to keep that form going hopefully as long as at least as long as we have the Diego's but anyways after that tangent uh, I was surprised they were going after a DP of that caliber at least because of a uh, up there and a couple of the other mm-hmm. kids they have on T two that seem to be able to put the put the ball in the net um, I thought it was great to see him get a goal uh, the you know the lone goal took a boot to the face to get it. Um, but it was good. I hope that, I hope that kind of, you know, he played really well in the, in the playoffs last year until the final. Um, so hopefully, you know, he can get some of that form, form back. And then I think really this year though, the, the team will live and die. Obviously the Diego's are what they are. They're, they're, you know, they are the pulse of this team and will be as long as they're here, but I think they're going to live and die. The sex, the success will hinge on Blanco. Um, He's looked spectacular from what I've seen um, in the first two matches. He, you know, it was the difference I think in the, the playoff run last year. Uh, he's just a dynamic player. He's a bit of an asshole out there, which you like to see too. Yeah. Uh, one of the guys that I think you hate. I'm a battle fan. I hate Blanco, um, <laughs> but just like Alonso for them for all those years. And now yeah. Minnesota is killing it. Um, so yeah, I think I think they're okay there. Really, I mean, some some obviously some mid work is, you know, I think there's still some positions to be won Mm. in the midfield, but um, we'll see if, if Abobese can step up. And if not, it sounds like maybe around April, May, they are going to, in fact, pull the trigger and at least they think and try to try to buy someone as a, as a 10 uh, or a DP up there. So we'll we'll see. He's going to have his window to, to prove himself though, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, especially with such a long, it's a, such a. It is one of the weirdest seasons in any sports I've ever seen, with the way the um the construction project at at the home, at Providence Park is as uh, twisted the schedule. That when is the first home game? Is it July or?
1: It is uh, June first, uh, or, or June second, maybe. Yeah. First weekend in June. June first against LAFC. So. Yeah. Should so, be should be interesting.
0: Yeah. So I guess that yeah that does leave you know they've got a couple of months on the road where. Uh, it's where you really find out the medal of some of your players, um, and see see where the limits are at least for this season, um, and then yeah, if you want to pull the trigger on a on a big signing in May to get them in just in time to get the home c- home crowd feel and and just be hopefully in touching distance if not in the playoff playoff picture, um, it's just yeah, it's such a weird I it's it's blows my mind that that can happen but yeah it is it is what it is. It's not like they can do what they did at Anfield and build the stadium behind the stadium while they do while they still have people in there. So,
1: yeah, yeah, not a ton of real estate there in downtown Portland. Yeah. Um, it, it yeah, it's really opened itself up to be a really awkward start to this year too. Mm-hmm. Like you know, the season's here, uh, and all of us in Portland were you know at least the people I'm I'm close with and interact with are are excited. Of course, it's Timbers, but um, it's just so odd that we're still you know, when, when they kicked off last weekend, and we're still three months away from a home game. It's just, yeah. it's baffling Two, you know, kind of looking at it like it's two seasons this year. And so, um, yeah, just got to tread water or, you know, stay, keep our heads above water in the first, first 12 games. Um, you know, and then it's funny that like, people already hitting the panic button. And that I find that funny. And, you know, I, of course, as a fan, you're guilty of it sometimes, no matter what, it's hard to, to not get scared, especially in a, an outcome like the other day. But, you know, really it boiled down to the last 25 minutes is when that game really got away from them. Yeah. Um, and the MLS is a little bit too. Like you get those
0: those results happen a bit in MLS football that don't happen in in your more, uh, you know, England and whatever. They can happen there too. It was an 8-2 win by uh, the Wellington Phoenix in the A-League the other day. So it's just it's, – <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't – It happens. It. Yeah, it happens. And, and it's not the Central Coast. They're not a good team, but they're not – that bad to lose eight two, but it just got out of hand real quick. So,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, it seemed like the looking at the subs too. Like the writing was on the wall. You know, Geo took took Valeri out a lot earlier than he normally would. Probably, I assume, looking forward to next weekend. And you know, the ten man, uh, good old Chara with his little hijinks of flicking a dude in the ear, which was <laughs> which is baffling. We'll, we'll get to that, I know. But it, just one more touch on the the schedule and the oddities of it. You know, I, I think it's it's funny that it's going to be really hard for Timber fan to keep things in perspective these first three or four months of the season mm. because I assume they will be at the bottom of the table. Maybe not – hopefully not the very, very bottom. San Jose looks pretty piss poor, but mm. so does Vancouver. But, um, again, they're just two games in too. So, you know, they, they can turn things around. But, you know, even if they're in that, what, nine, eight, nine slots um, – when come, what is it? I got the schedule up here. You know, come August 10th, they will have 12 games remaining and 11 of them will be at home. Yeah. So, you know, come August 10th, which is late, late into the season, they could still be in that eight, seven, eight, nine slot. And, you know, seventh place makes the playoffs this year, yeah. this year. So, you know, they they could end up in second or third, if they're even down dwelling that low, because they could rattle off, 30, 30 points in those last 10, 10 11 games and yeah. you know with with ease so so I, I it's gonna be perspective perspective I kind of the first 12 games I'd hoped for 12 early early I early in the offseason I was like 18 points is what I want I think I was being a little overzealous and kind of came down to reality before the season started to about 12 points mm-hmm. a point a game away and I think we'll be we'll be doing doing just fine so yeah yeah and
0: and more and more to the, and even just uh, results on the on the score sheet aside, just seeing some kind of indication as to where the team's going to performance-wise. You know, if they if there's losses like the other the one the other day regularly, it'll start to gr- you know it'll start to grind down the the hopes pretty quickly. But if the uh, performance levels are looking alright and there's players, um, you know, building up their levels of performance throughout the season to come towards that home stand with the points in the bag to uh, be able to make a run at the playoffs, if not already be in them, then you know, that's what you're looking for just throughout this first two, three months.
1: Yeah. I, and I mean, that is, you know, I say the fans are going to have to keep things in perspective, um, which is always harder said than done for fans, but you know, it goes for the players too. Like, you know, I assume and hope that Gio's message and that the message in that locker room is, you know, don't be looking at those standings, you know, like you said, be improving each game. We saw that in the five games last year where, you know the first two were rough. Or they they lost both their first two last year. We got a we're, we're already a point further ahead than we were, than they were last year. Um, but you know games three and four last year they drew. So looking at next weekend against Cincinnati, even without Chara, maybe a draw. You know originally I was hoping for a win in that one. Even though it is a team's you know not just home opener for a year, but MLS home opener. So yeah. that atmos- the atmosphere will be bonkers in there um so it will be tough but you know maybe get a point out of that um but last year they really looked like they were progressing you felt good about games three and four getting that point and then game five game five which last year was their last home or road road game of their little stretch was a win in the bag with eighty you know in the 80th minute they were up two one on orlando mm-hmm. and it just came crashing down right, and they lost yeah. and that was
0: i remember that one now that was horrible
1: but like you like you just said, like there was things I thought, at least as a fan, to take away from that yeah. game. They looked good. They had the game in hand, and they just they let it slip away, as they tend to do as Timbers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like you, you've nailed it. They just got to keep kind of – we want to see those glimmers of, okay, this team is good. They may not be getting the points, pulling all three points, or even one point often. But if, if they're scoring and, and improving on defense and look like, okay, once we get in the confines at home, maybe maybe they'll be all right, Then then I think things will be just fine. Yeah, yeah. Um moving forward like uh more league wide now.
0: Uh you had notes on uh on players players coming to the MLS and such from our, my my ch- chat with Shay last week. Um you brought yeah, up Yeah, uh, yeah. That was that was you in, I think that was you in a text that brought up the point because me and Shay were like oh we wonder who wonder who we would hate and you you brought up through text that uh or on Twitter about Ramos which I, I very much agreed with.
1: Yeah, if you know, there's a lot of guys that you watch and don't like, and maybe over in Europe, especially you know, maybe Man U guys or whatever. But I think you'd learn to embrace most of them if they came to the Timbers, like, um, but that's that's a guy where I just yeah, I couldn't get behind it. I'm he's a fantastic defender, don't, don't get me wrong, so I'm sure it would make them a great team or at least a back line, but ugh, gross. But I saw a great, it yeah.
0: was actually a great meme the other day, it was a picture of a whale. And um, this is why the podcast is rate, uh, rated explicit on iTunes, by the way, because what I'm about to say is not for kids listening. Um, so it was basically a picture of a whale, and it and it said on um, the caption said, uh, "The I think it was a blue whale or something like that." it that a blue, a full grown blue whale, female blue whale's vagina can fit five to six grown men inside it, which makes it just the second biggest cunt in the world compared to Sergio
1: Ramos. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very. I mean, that, that should be taken as fact. I think, yeah. right? <laughs>
0: That's what, I, that's what I took it as I thought it was wikipedia but you know <laughs> uh, yeah no I, I agreed but um I kind of i can't kind of remember what the tangent was oh yeah your notes on regarding mls future because i guess that's probably something that's every year that we watch mls as fans we're also there's a greater interest in the white like you know the wider Premier League to me is whatever it is what it is but the mls is growing every year so us as fans we're watching our timbers but then we're um we're also watching the growth of the league, the new teams coming in, seeing how they're being supported. Uh, there's always news about another new team coming in every year at the moment because that's just where the league's going at the moment. It's fi- trying to find that, that peak of wherever it's teams, you know, however many it ends up being. Um, so, you know, we've got... I mean, Cincinnati, where are their home opener this week. Uh, where, are, where are you at, at the growth of the league at the moment? Um, feeling hopeful, feeling like it's got a... <laughs> got to stop somewhere, you know, I'm, it's, it's probably my biggest concern is that they don't, they don't go too much too quick, but the last, probably, decade, I think they've done the right thing.
1: Yeah, you know, it's been... I've had mixed emotions about it as it's happened, and I don't think anyone that's a Timbers fan can be too hardline stance of, like, uh, you know, expansion is awful, because at the end of the day, it's the Timbers were an expansion team. Granted, they were in before, I believe they were the 18th or 19th club. So they were in before that magic number of 20 that, that kind of seems to be the global number. Uh, um, but, you know, I, it's been interesting. I, the, the new teams that have come in are supported really well and really great. And I like to, to think that they've taken, you know, they were on the outside looking in for long enough, watching teams like the Timbers, watching fan bases like the Timbers army. Um, and, you know, to an extent, like, I, you know, honestly, Seattle too. Like I you know, I don't want to give them credit, but they do deserve credit. They're a good fan base. Mm. I wish they were in a smaller stadium. I think that gets watered down because of the stadium they're in. Absolutely. Um, yeah. but you know, the LA, that atmosphere they've gotten there, that nice, that new stadium is, is really nice. Uh, the Minnesota team seems to really back, they don't get a lot of, of love nationally, uh, yet they're they're looking good so far this year so maybe that'll come but their fan base is really great as as far as the supporters culture goes too mm-hmm. like, they really align with like the army a lot which you know i'm biased towards um and then you know obviously so you can't can't mention expansion teams and and success without atlanta um and what they've done both in the fan base mm-hmm. off the field selling out that stadium time to time it's seventy thousand people like you know, outdrawing the Falcons in certain games, which is just baffling to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the pitch, obviously, you know, obviously they won last year. They're some of their fans. One of my notes from last week from listening to you guys talk was Atlanta spoiled question mark, because I see, you know, not just the kind of trickle through of like Atlanta uh, you know, talking heads from through Twitter, but also some of the national guys kind of making fun of their fan base about like, they're already like, oh, my God, is this coach the right guy? Are we going to be all right without Almara? And uh, it's just like, you know, hey, they're kind of focusing on Champions League at this point. So, you're, you're juggling a few things. It's the first few weeks of MLS. I, th- I think you'll be all right with a loss and a draw. Um, but, yeah, it's just funny. They're, and I don't want to see that. Don't get ahead of your skis, guys. you got to get things going. Be patient. Things will be just fine. I think that pity, no pity, as I call them, uh, Martinez down there, they got uh, – you know they're just they're just plugging back in and, and you had mentioned the, the foreign old foreign guys. I think LAFC and Atlanta are a perfect example of you don't have to do that. Get these old European guys that are kind of on the back half. Like they're they're going like the Timbers. I think have and tried to do at least through like South and Central America, uh, Mexico. You know and and it seems like that's a great we're a great stepping stone. Like I think we need to, to look at the MLS as a sellers league. Hopefully get some of these kids from again, South, central, South and central America and Mexico and try to see if, you know, we can start selling them like Atlanta did. And, and, you know, now they're just going to turn that money into, into more good players, more young players. So, um, I I hope and feel like the league's kind of going that way. We still get like guys like Ibra coming in and and things like that. And I'm sure you and you and Shay mentioned about Ronaldo says he wants to get involved at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, I know I've heard trickle, you know, who knows it's rumors to the max, but you know, like Messi with like LAFC or in Miami. I've heard his name or New York. Like, you know, they, the people flip those out there, who knows if there's any back to that, but you know, I, I think a few of those here and there, it's great. It's great for the fans. Like, I'd love as a Timbers fan. I'd love to see Messi play someday. Like I'm sure. He's in the back half or even maybe the back quarter of his career, but you know, Hey, it'd be pretty cool to see. So um, as long as, the majority of the league moves towards the kind of the young, trying to grow these young players domestically and, and from, you know, other countries and that are looking to, to sell, uh, you know, I, I think they will be, the league will be okay.
0: Yeah. And then you've got, um, even the, you know, you can be a seller's league and have guys like Almoron going to Newcastle with Newcastle are in a good little run of form at the moment, which is pretty much coincided with mm-hmm. him moving there. So, you know, testament to him and um, that move, but you know, even if it's not it's the uh, guys like the Charas and Valeris for us and and the other players that have come in and become career MLS guys, there is a career to be had as a high-profile star of a league and, you know, you know, imagine if Valeri or uh, Char are in a big market like Seattle or, or, you know, Seattle's a bigger market, LA, New York, they'd be talked about a lot, a, lot, a lot in a lot bigger circles than they are now and obviously Timbers fans love them and appreciate them but... You know, there's guys like that that come in here and end up, you know, Chara's been there since the start um, and they're still one of, the be- one of the best players in the league. So there's that as well, that the guys that maybe look at Europe might be able to get a career at a midland club in Europe but don't quite have that game um, consistency, whatever it takes to be in the top level at Europe. You can come and be a top level player in the MLS. Um, and that's not to say the MLS is a, weak, a weaker league in that sense, that it's just, you know, they can, it's a, Step down, but it is just it is what it is as a league that these guys can come here and have a career and, and be stars and be um, integral parts of squads that, you know, year to year and have and take pride in that. Because that's part of being a Timbers, like the pride that I have in it, being a Timbers fan is like those guys that have come and, you know, that's really built a squad around them rather than doing the, by just go find the old 32-year-old that wants to come over and play as, you know, as successful as that can be.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we've, you know, obviously the guy like, Valeri, we've been so spoiled, and and you know he's he's gotten since them since winning the MVP a couple years back. That obviously got him kind of into the national limelight. But yeah, yeah, a guy like Char, like you said, he's criminally underrated amongst the league. Um, And you know he's a guy too, though I guess where even if he was on an LA or or Seattle or Atlanta somewhere that's kind of getting the hype these days, that you know he plays that position and that role that isn't sexy necessarily. So, you know, he would be, I think, underrated criminally no matter where he played, but especially being up here in, you know, little Portland. Um, but, yeah, and you know, like you said, there's nothing wrong with a guy like, like Larry coming out here. and You know, he's made over a million dollars in the last handful of years. Like he's, you know, yeah, you're not making the, you know, tens of millions of dollars that you can over in the EPL or whatever, but, but he is here making very good money, playing great great soccer and you know is really the lifeblood of a team here in the mls a good a, a, a consistent contender in the mls um whereas you know if he's playing in you know the championship over in england you know he's just another guy on a roster and yeah. you know like so so there is there's and you know that just comes down to what kind of player they are what their aspirations are not that like you said not that being at the mls isn't mean means you're not aspirational but just you know some people since they were kids wanted to play in England or Spain or whatever. So, mm. um, you know, there's those kind of factors that you have to consider too. But, um, yeah. And, you know, there's even the, kind of the third, so, you know, we've talked about kind of two different avenues of, of guys, of you know, the old foreign, the old European guys or the young kind of local, you know, our region guys. And then you have guys like you guys kind of touched on him too. Like Ridgeboat, what he came over here and did like, a, you know, he was a, consistent player starter in the EPL even, uh, in the championship for years over there in England and came over here and made a great name and was one of the better defenders in the league mm-hmm. for years. Um, so, you know, that's not a bad little Avenue it, itself. So yeah. there's a lot of different ins into the MLS and a lot of different kind of ways and formulas to do it. Um, which I think kind of makes the league fascinating. I think I would assume from the outside, like from, you know, if I'm someone in England, which I know the MLS is kind of, you know, it's something people put their eye on and, and I think are gaining a little bit of respect for. Um, but it's got to be interesting to kind of see how this, you know, it's funny enough, it's a melting pot of soccer. Uh, yeah. Just like our, you know, the country is the melting pot of, of humans. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a fun league to follow. And um, hopefully they don't expand too much. I think what they're... 28 slated now right do they have because there's three more in the wings so so there's
0: miami austin nashville i think coming in yeah um yeah i think they'll get to i reckon 30 they must be looking at 30 as a number because that like i said last week that gets them in line with um other leagues in in the u.s and whether that's what they want to be as far as have that kind of market share whatever market share that'll give them um and then just that competitiveness and the you know fan bases beyond that then you know then you start can start talking about pr- promotion relegation which is a whole nother thing but um yeah i i am pretty hopeful of where it's going because the, the the whole thing with the old nsl or whatever it was that nah, nsl was australia i can't remember what the american one was na nas
1: NASL, yeah. I think, USL. There's PDSL. Yeah. There's been a lot. So <laughs>
0: yeah, they they kind of went, you know, they they started their league and tried to expand probably too quick and didn't really think about it and it fell apart. But what they're doing now seems to be very structured, very organized. Um, they seem to be trying to pick their pick where they're going really carefully and and, and it's worked. Every team that's come in so far that have more or less has been pretty pretty success successful. So you know, yeah. Be, yeah, yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So.
1: Yeah, it will be interesting what they try to take it to. I do agree. I think 30 is the number. Um, and then I, th- I think, you know, in my opinion, and I'm you know, i just some guy, but in my opinion, you know, I think they get to 30, and then I would love to see the MLS focus on really building up what is now the USL, that mm-hmm. second division. Because um, I, th- I think there is a place in this country for promotion and relegation, but I, we're nowhere near it. Um, it's going to happen organically. Like you see, there's a lot of cities, these USL cities like Tulsa, like roughnecks, whatever they're, they're, they have a great little fan base. Sacramento here in, in the West coast. Like mm-hmm. there's plenty of these teams that have great followings. That's where Cincinnati's coming from. There's plenty of these teams that have great followings, but it, it's just going to have to happen organically. I think they're going to have to really grow and push for the USL to be, be a thing. Yeah. Try to get, get some contracts for them, you know, television here. Um, because I think you're going to have to grow that side. You can't just be like, all right, we have the MLS. Now we've got these 10 teams we want to lop off the top. And we'll shove them down to this other league, and it'll be great. And it's got to grow from underneath as well and, and start building up some of these these teams. And I think it could get there, but who knows if it ever will. But it, it'll take years and years if it does happen. So
0: Yeah, no, that's a great way of putting it, actually, is it is it is probably as much about growing that league. As its own thing, and then bringing in that idea of bringing them together as a promotion relegation thing, because you know some of those teams. Um, um, I I have a ra- random following of the Tampa Bay Rowdies due to a couple of yeah, there's a couple of guys that um I know through the Twitter sphere they're Liverpool fans and they have a Tampa Bay Rowdies podcast. Um, if Dan and Matt ever listen to this, sup guys? Called the called <laughs> the un- called the unused substitutes, and they. So I follow the Rowdies a little bit through that, and they had, they had Joe Cole come over and play from them for the last couple of years who won Premier Leagues with uh, Chelsea before he came to Liverpool for an unfortunately not very good stint but he was a you know one of the best players in England um, for those few years so you know they're, they're coming across the USL clubs and and whatever so there is there is some talent going into those teams and you know if you can build it up like like you said over you know it's going to take yeah I, I I still wonder if I'll see it before I'm I'm very old sitting on my ca- couch watching, watching watching uh watch still watching football but not moving as quickly, but um, there is a there is an avenue to bringing it in. It's just doing it the right way.
1: Yep. Yeah, and I, I think the future of football and baseball will really help impact that or help drive what happens with the MLS and American soccer as well. Um, you know, I, I think football is figuring out how to get away from a lot of the head stuff. But, you know, it's, it's a brutal sport that I know – we'll see at least a dip here in 10 years or so because of the recent scare of the last five or six years. I think you're going to see that staggered effect of not as many kids were playing around this time. So in 10, 15 years when they're all, you know, college days or whatever, you know, what are what are things going to look like? But, you know, NFL and football in general is alive and well and extremely healthy in this country. And yeah. it's not going anywhere, anywhere anytime soon. But if we're talking long, long distance, where, you know, will we see relegation? Will we be worm food or, or what? Um, you know, I think football and baseball's popularity will, will help that because those people have to go somewhere uh, yeah. if those do kind of start to lose traction. So, yeah, but
0: yeah, um, I guess one other thing for the future of um, soccer that's it, it and it's, it's increasingly um, in the last two years with it, the use of it being brought into the uh, World Cup and now it's in the Champions League. Um, you know what I'm going for, it's uh, VAR, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's really probably the next, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting few years, because it, it's going to make or, it, w- it won't break soccer, football as a sport, because it's just, it is what it is, it's never going to, but it is going to be an interesting time as they bring this in, because as we're seeing, there's a lot of conjecture that's not nearly as uh, black and white as everyone, I think, was hoping, Um I think I said in a in a heated moment, and I think it was, yeah, I was texting with you. I said if there was an antifa for VAR, I'd be in it. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, just, I, I'm I'm for it in theory, if it, like, for the situations that it can be used for. But I think it's, they seem to have just brought it in and said the referee can almost look at anything. And I'm not really, I don't know. There's a lot of work that needs to be done to it. And you've worked with it a little bit more, because I think, how how long has it been in MLS
1: now? Is it two years or? Uh, a year and a half, they did it, it was one of those things, Like I think the 2017 season, it was at the All-Star break, they brought yeah. it in, Like, which is such a weird time to implement it in my opinion, but uh, yeah, and then all of last year, so yeah, a yeah, year and a half.
0: So you've had you've had the World Cup, uh, it's been in the A-League a- a over here for a little while, um, but the World Cup's the first time I really watched it too much, because apart from Adelaide United, I just try to avoid the A-League as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the World Cup, it had uh, moments. Uh, I'll call them moments, <laughs> uh, good and bad. Uh, but yeah, the Champions League, um, in particular the um, United handball last, last week was a big, big moment that uh, I've heard people say it's absolutely correct decision, and then in my opinion it wasn't. And sometimes I think the clear and obvious the clear and obvious thing that's the, the real conjecture for me because if you, the referee hasn't called it on the field, I don't know how he can call that one a clear and obvious handball. After watching it, it's clear and obvious. It hits his hand, but then it's all about the reading of the rule and you know, ball to hand intention, natural body position, and all those things. And I I don't see a clear and obvious way that that was o- uh, the ability to be able to overturn that one. So yeah, I'm 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 very much not. I'm not even on the fence. I'm still on the other side of the VR until it's until it's better. I don't even know why they're bringing it into the Premier League. But as someone who's watched it more. Uh, I think you're a bit more warm to it, but I'd love to hear your thoughts.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I'd say you said you're on the, the one side of it. I'm still riding that fence. Um, yeah. You know, I think that game, the Man U game, uh, PSG, was a great example of... You know, I think you said it, too. Like, the ball, I don't think, was on frame, even. Um, yeah. So, like, that should have been considered. But So, my thing on that is, I think after VAR, they... They got the call right, in my opinion. But my opinion also is that shouldn't have been reviewed in the first place. Uh, you know, the the whole thing, no matter what league, World Cup, here, MLS, you know, it's always been clear and obvious errors. Mm-hmm. There was not a clear and obvious error in that in that situation. Like I said, I think they got it right by the, the you know by the rule by the book. Yeah. Which again, handballs. That's such a. You know, it's like pass interference in in football, almost where it's like there has to be. It's subjective because there's intent involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know I don't think he was putting his arm. He was kind of made that weird twist and had his arm up. But you know, I don't think he tried to block it in that way. I mean, he he made himself bigger, sure, but you know, I don't know. I, I just don't think it should have ever been. And I think that's what you're alluding to. I don't think it should have ever been mm-hmm. under review in the first place. I think it was a bang bang play that wasn't clear and obvious like when in live play it wasn't obvious it hit his arm it just kind of looked like it ricocheted off him and I don't think okay anyone, let's.
0: I don't think anyone even protested that much from what i remember no
1: i don't think so either and i think it was just like all right let's line up for the corner we got to go here and you know all of a sudden the refs got his hand up to his ear and and yeah, that was a that was a bad day or bad couple of days for VAR because it was Porto that same same day or was I it about, the next day?
0: Yeah, no, that was about twenty minutes later.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I thought that one was even more egregious. Yeah, you know, it, again, it was a penalty. He grabbed him by the by the back of his jersey and pulled him down, but he wasn't going to get to that ball. He yeah. wasn't making a play on that ball. How you overturn that and give him? That's the benefit of. Or lack thereof, the opposite of benefit of, of slow motion replay. Yeah, like you just—that's just not an okay call. So you know, like you said, I've had exposure to it. I feel like in the MLS they've done a pretty good job. That that half year, or, you know, quarter of a season in twenty seventeen, it it was odd. It was clunky. It was kind of weird. I thought last year they did a good job of it. Didn't become too big of an impact as far as like when they did one. It was pretty quick. Kind of you know ref went over it, looked at it, got out of there. And for the most part, I, th- I think they got things right. I, I kind of alluded to before we hopped on here that I, knock on wood, um, and this is going to come back to bite us in the ass, but bite, <laughs> bite the timbers in the ass. But I feel like so far they've mostly been on the right side of things. And maybe that's just years of bad karma without it catching up mm-hmm. um, or, you know, bad, bad things going their way or not going their way. Um, but it seems like the has been, you know, the the timbers have done okay with it. It hasn't really like screwed them over or anything. So so maybe in my fandom that helps my opinion not be harsh on it. But yeah. but it's a it's had some black eyes on the world scale in Champions League and, and World Cup. So um, I like the idea of it, but the really like you know how college football has like the, the fourth official or the, the the referee upstairs. It buzzes down basically. Um you know, those guys, they're the ones buzzing the referees here in the MLS or, or in Champions League. I think they really need to be trained just as much as the referees do. Of, okay, like, yeah, sure, maybe you see something, but was it blatantly missed? Did the referee really have his head up his ass? Or was it just like bang bang play that could have gone either way? And those are not things we should be reviewing. So,
0: yeah. And that's, um, yeah, the thing, yeah, well, that handball, obviously. And then that, uh, that's what's hard about that one in the Porto Roma game. It was, Ro- yeah, it was Roma. Um, mm-hmm. It's absolutely a penalty by the action because you're pulling out the shirt in the box and, ab- yep. and preventing him going forward. But the the referee didn't call it at the time, and then on the slow motion replay, you clearly see he's not going to get to the ball. So it's it's still subjective. Like he's saying, "Oh yeah, no, I missed that one. I probably should have given a penalty for it." But then he's he's like, you know, a couple like a meter or two away from actually poking it in the net. So even if he hadn't been pulled, it would have just gone out for a corner or, yeah, it would have been, no, it would have been a goal kick because I think it was a flat a cross flushed across the box. So mm-hmm. it's just, uh, it's replacing one kind of mistake with another one because then you just, you, you it's just so convoluted, it's so tricky, it doesn't make any sense. And um, I, I love goal line technology. That's just, that's come in and just been so perfect because it's there's no there's no mm-hmm. conjecture over that. It's like Hawkeye or whatever in tennis, you know, no one argues with it. They just accept that the technology works and until we have a reason not to believe it. But every goal uh, goal, or non-goal I've seen with the replays with the goal on technology, it's just, it's you can see why they've called it that way because mm-hmm. they have the views of the ball uh, on the line as well. So things like that, you know, goals that are clearly scored from offside, uh, uh, in a handball where he's like the guy standing in front of the line and it hits his hand way out from his body. There's black and white, but then there's all these other ones that, yeah, like you say, clear and obvious. That's the whole point of this technology, and they're changing calls that are uh, at best vague. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. The other one I wanted to bring up was uh, the one very fresh in memory. The you, so you said you didn't watch the second half, but did you see the Chara if flick? I assume you probably. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, you, you texted it. I think you texted it to me as well. Um, yeah. I looked at that and I'm like I'm like you know on the call you know hands to the face is obviously um, a cardable offense so I'm not angry at the decision but then I'm in a league that has VAR the the guy that went down was is a best actor actor nominee for next year already so I <laughs> I yeah. don't understand where VAR works in that situation because I'd be if I was the fourth official or whatever they call the official that's up in the box I would have been like uh, you need to look at that for a simulation as well, because he got a he got a touch in the ear and went down like he'd been
1: shot. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that's a, and that is a good point, uh, and I mean that's another can of worms of can you uh, you know can a VAR c- signal down for simulation because they could. they can, they can signal could... down
0: for everything else apparently. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean that is like that. Yeah, Char, you know, I don't know. I both laugh at it, and I scoff at it, like, "Ah, what were you doing? But it it was funny. At least he didn't punch the guy in the back of the head or something like that. Um, But, yeah, the guy looked. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus. But, like you said, the guy looked like he got shot or like he was, like, Char jumped up and two-footed him in the back or something like Mm -hmm. that. Like, and that's, again, Char deserved a second yellow, deserved to be gone. No question about that. But, yeah, there's got to be some sort of, like that is one thing, and like we, you know, we've already been talking about growing the game in America and growing the MLS as a league. I think that's one, you know, big gripe, and they have it around the world, obviously. But you know, you hear the stereotypical American, ooh, the dive around and look like idiots. Like, well, you know, there you go, get that kind of crap, that yeah. clear and obvious, clear and obvious dive and simulation. You know, get that out of the game, and if nothing else, okay, in the game, he didn't get a yellow, whatever. The MLS, after the fact, this week, today, should be looking at that and saying, all right, you know, fine, or a yellow, because they are, you know, they accumulate them over the years, so give him a retroactive yellow so that, you know, if he gets, again, I don't know, what the, if it's seven or eight or whatever in the MLS but before they start getting suspended. But, yeah. you know, that starts to go towards his tally down, you know, down the road where he can start missing matches for too many for yellow card accumulation. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that that is a perfect example of, you know, something's got to be. You know, there's so much of that where it's just guys act like they were shot or have been, you know, hit with a baseball bat, and it's like, dude, you got flicked in the ear, which was both hilarious and anchoring. Like I said, but yeah, um, and the fact is, yeah, it's I, his reaction that actually brought the yellow
0: too. It's not just um, if he just turned around like a normal bloke would, like a guy flicks your ear, you kind of just <laughs> as, as you're running, you're probably like, you know, normally if you're not in the game, you turn around and go, "What the fuck, dude?" and he might look at you and smile, and it'll be like a little. You know, weird moment between good two guys playing a game, but because he went down like that, the referee turned around and, you know, he said, "Oh, well, the, yeah, that's a yellow card because he put hands to the face and he went to the floor." So his his mm-hmm. reaction had a direct; re- it was pretty much what made the ref's decision for him. So beyond the stupidity of the act, it is, um, you know, if the amount of times that you see little bang bang things happen in football or whatever sport it is between two blokes that just look at each other and laugh. It could have been. Yeah. It could have just. It could have just been that, but because of the uh, the way that he reacted, it became a yellow card, uh, or a second yellow. So, and there we go, missing Chara for a week. So you know, there is. It's uh, a good reason for him to look at it again and maybe think about how they're going to go forward. In you know, mm-hmm. but that that's not just an MLS thing. That's a worldwide football thing because simulation is still a major issue for it. And yeah, I think Chase in uh, group chat, you know, he said there was someone random in the bar that he was watching some game at whether it was the Arsenal one I don't know saying just just complaining about them acting saying they're the best actors so yeah it, it is a thing for the casual fan and those that like to scoff at the game still that we need to get rid of but yeah yeah see Neymar yeah <laughs> yeah well not much lately because he's injured and just just a just a gif now but yeah
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and he does, I mean you know I, I've uh, a good buddy of mine you know, obviously, Andy, Andrew yeah. uh, is a big PSG fan, got Got the chance to go over and see them play in person. And, you know, we always talk about Neymar, about, you know, he's such a phenomenal player. And, you know, a- Andrew's point is he simulates a lot, but he does get fouled a lot. And he does. Like, people, yeah. you know, he's so quick and good that he does get fouled a lot. But the overselling, the consistent – the World Cup was just – you know he's always been that way, and he's it's fine. You know it is what it is. But the World Cup was embarrassing. Like he he embarrassed himself. I thought that he was literally rolling barrel rolls across the field, and there were some pretty good memes and gifs that came out of that for sure. But I think there was um, even
0: a brief Neymar challenge. It never really took off, but there was people just
1: doing yeah. the rolls around the front lawns or whatever. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it does put a black eye. And you know, obviously, world world football is not worried about what. Americans' opinions are on it or anything like that. So that is what it is. But domestically, it is a, a facet of the game, you know, along with the time wasting. I think that is just things that that turn people off. Um, but there's also other things that people claim turn them off, and in, in this country at least, that that I scoff at. I I think I tweeted about it recently. Of you know, I get these people. Oh, soccer's boring, and you know, I don't I don't know how you watch that. It's one one zero zero. It's just like then you see the 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 passion both domestically we've got plenty of it here but then around the world like it's just like how like you're in the wrong buddy like it's not it's i'm not the wrong one here like this game is something the world loves and and brings people and communities together um mostly in positive ways i think so uh you know i'm i'm happy to be on the right side of that one because it just still baffles me when people have that take on on soccer here
0: yeah, well, m- my, my comeback to that is, you know, you watch a mid-season NFL game that finishes 20-7, and so mm-hmm. that's, you know, in theory, two, two touchdowns and a couple of field goals, and the other team scores a touchdown. Essentially, that's a 2-1 or 3-1 win, maybe, but you don't even count the yeah. field goals. So, you know, uh, and, you know, the Super Bowl, as much as I enjoyed it, and we, we, we won't do much football on this pod, but mm-hmm. I'll just say it, like, it was... Uh, Outside of Pats fans, it was everyone seemed to think it was a boring game because people would want high scoring. So, you know, it can happen uh-huh. in every sport. Uh, basketball is just a sport that's designed around scoring, um, but you can still get the l- just shit basketball games that just as shit, shit scoring and not much talent in, on display. So, whereas you can get a 0-0 draw in a, you know, Liverpool versus City match or whatever, um, that can be as enthralling uh-huh. as anything if they if they play football and just get unlucky in the scoring. So... You know, it's just, it takes a, you know, not to beat up on in anyone's intelligence, but if you just, if you're basically, if you're making that comparison, saying, oh, one, one draw is boring, um, without actually having watched much football and you're just not, you're, you're coming at it from a completely uneducated point of view. So yeah, it is what it is.
1: Ironically, a lot of the people I feel like that I run into or know personally that have that opinion, love baseball. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, and I, and I just like, it just stammers me like what, like how, Okay okay like you know and i like baseball i don't want to hate on baseball or anything and yeah no we, both, of, we both
0: we both love baseball and enjoy watching the games we've been to games so you know it's not that we yeah but yeah we just like the...
1: baseball especially it's yeah. great yeah. but man paint drying <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah well, at least that's why that's why it's a good beer drinking sport so yes yeah.
1: peanuts and beer and hopefully sun
0: yeah yeah hello. absolutely Although for my white body, like the sun, sometimes I can, I can take it or leave it. <laughs> I, I enjoy the sun. I enjoy looking at the sun shining on the field while I'm in the shade of the right side of the stands. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's pretty much there it. There you go. Um, si- slightly segueing. I was about, I was going to say the uh, Neymar diving and mention the Liverpool game against them, but that's been the past anyway, but just, um, on to Liverpool. I don't know. Wait. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. The title. Well, I mean, we, we wrapped, we pretty, me and Shay pretty much talked about it, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, the, title race i don't know where your thoughts are on it where you're thinking you're hopeful just just kind of just feeling it is what it is or
1: yeah you know it's it's funny now it's almost like in as long as you don't draw them as long as Liverpool doesn't draw them in all these different you know fa cup rooting for man city and all these other cups and rooting for tie like we want draws in the fa cup i want you know I want extra time in, in all of Man City's uh, knockout stages of, of Champions League because um, I do, I think, as much as I hate to say it, I, I think that's the kind of stuff that's going to have to contribute um, to Liverpool getting over the hump. Um, you know, you, uh, you and Shay broke it down really well, I thought, about kind of the, the, the places left on both teams' schedules to drop points. Yeah. You know, all things considered, things going according to plan. There's not a lot in theory, a lot of places for either team to really drop points. Uh, Shea pointed out the the Man U and Chelsea back to back in four days. Hopefully, also sandwiched around some other um, tournament play there. Uh, yeah, I think that's the the really the point to uh, for for Man City to drop points and. You know, they just seem, the other weekend, or this past weekend, kind of, they, they ended up getting away from, uh, was it Wolves? No. Who did they play this last weekend? Oh, they City. ended up kind of... City, it was Watford, yeah. I think, yeah. yeah Watford. That's that, Wolves con- Watford. Like, yeah. There was, some,
0: <laughs> there was some contention around some of those decisions as well. Like, there's a lot of, uh, you know, rumors around, oh, not rumors, just uh, just Liverpool fans on Twitter just saying it's a conspiracy, but, yeah. You know. It, it's just, it's just Premier League being Premier League, really. It's just, there is inconsistent decisions. So it is what it is.
1: Um, yep. Yeah. And I mean, I was upset about, about the first goal that Man City got. I, I didn't think it was, it should have been a goal and it kind of broke. It was the straw that broke the camel's back in that yeah. game. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden it was three nothing. Mm-hmm. Shit. Um, but, you know, these other games last couple weeks, they're playing these, what we would consider lower teams, if you will. And, you know, they're just winning one nil and, it's like they know they're better than everyone else, and they're just doing what they have to and storing the rest. So, you know, does, I'm not going to say that Liverpool is out of it, but I, that's not even remotely close to true. Um, you know, they get on a little bit of a tear like they were right right before the holiday break and all that. Like, you know, there's no reason they couldn't, dare I say, win out or only drop maybe two or three points total the rest of the way. Um, and I don't think it's unrealistic to think Man City will drop four, five points, maybe, um, just got to kind of hope, hope for that. Uh, but th- it also is, you know, Man City could reel off, rattle out the rest. Perfect. But it is ridiculous. And you, you touched on the season that Liverpool's having. And if they do come second, um, which, you know, again, I'm not willing to say that anything concrete there, but. It's just amazing that the team with one one loss – I mean, yeah, they've got a few too many draws, but one loss so far this year um, may not win at all and may end up with, you know, low 90s in points and not win the Premier League. It's just – it's one of those things where it's going to be a brutally tough pill to swallow, but at the same time, like you guys mentioned – I mean, this – Especially, they, they, you know, they still have, I was actually, I jotted down the quad when you guys were talking because they're still alive for that, and then you, you guys touched on it anyways. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're alive for for everything. Um, the only thing I will say is, I have to say, if, if I'm a Man City owner uh, and, you know, fan, even maybe, if I had to pick one or the other, I have to imagine they want Champions League over... Over the Premier League this year, Absolutely. like they that's, that's a global launcher for them, um, and I think you touched probably on that puts them into that stratosphere with the, the top four or five clubs of traditional clubs in, in the Premier League. So, mm-hmm. you know, you know if it takes something like that, or not that they're going to give it up or give it away on purpose. No, no, there's no reason I think or believe that. But you know, if if some if some bounces go Liverpool's way and they keep keeping the great form they've been in. Um, you know anything can happen. Like you said, those two draws were not bad draws. Away draws against bitter rivals, like you know, it's if I'm if I'm a Portland fan, I want to see a draw in Seattle. That's that's great. A win's yeah. a cherry on top, of course, but a draw away at Seattle or away at LAFC, let's say, like hell yeah, I'll take that. So, um, yeah, they just got to keep the head down, keep doing what they're doing, and and uh, yeah, we'll see.
0: Yeah, no, there, was what do you a, there was a tweet from uh, just a friend of mine on Twitter the other day. He basically just wrapped up. Um, Liverpool are on 73 points after 30 games. Uh, so he wrapped up the last decade of where that would put them. So in 08-09, we'd be five points clear. In 09-10, we'd be seven points clear. In 10-11, uh, we'd, be, we'd be ten points clear. In 11-12, uh, we'd be level on, on the top. So that was one of those high-scoring high seasons uh, as far as points mm-hmm. goes, but in 12 13 we'd be 4 points back. Uh, so a couple of seasons there where we'd be in this similar race but again in 13 14 7 points clear. Uh, 14 15 4 points clear. 15 16 which is the the year of Leicester. Lester? We would be we'd be ten, we'd be 10 points clear at this point. So um, wow. and then last year last year being um, oh sorry the year before last year we'd be 1 point clear. Last year we'd be eight points back. Obviously, that was City's hundred-point season, so that's what's expected. But you can you can see the trend is that pretty much uh, most seasons, uh, seventy-three points at this point would have you not. uh, Some years you'd already have won the title. Basically, uh, most Mm -hmm. most years you'd at least be a point uh, game clear, if not more. So that's the perspective on the title race. I think that some some Liverpool fans get a really uh, uh, you know ironically they're telling them that you know tweeting that the team's bottling it, but them as fans are bottling it, I think, because they're just losing their minds every time a result doesn't go their way. You know, a draw at United, they're saying, oh, you know, Klopp's shit and all that stuff. And it's just like, no, it's just the pressure of the race it is. It's making it, it's putting it's changing the perspective on everything. And this is what teams like City that, you know, financial doping and all those things aside, just the pure talent on the field, teams like that change the perspective Mm -hmm. on everything because they're just that good. So it's kind of like Barcelona. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that draw to Man U, it's like, it's not like that was November, man. U, when they were looking like shit, and you know you go there in November and get when they were playing, they were in the form they were in, and you get the draw. Okay, yeah, you're a little annoyed, upset, yeah. especially because it's your rival, and you you want to step on them while they're down. But you know, man, U is was, was arguably maybe next to City, the hottest team in the league, and and still probably is. So even with the the to J to uh, Shays uh, happiness, the drubbing that was this yeah. past weekend. <laughs> um, hey, good for but us yeah, too. you know, yeah, absolutely. You said it keeps, it keeps, uh, you know, man looking for, looking for points, trying to sneak into that top four. So, uh, when it comes time to play city, so yeah, absolutely. It keeps them hungry and, and needing points. And I'm just like, Oh, well we can drop some points against city and be fine. So, um, yeah, absolutely. It's, it is what it is. And, you know, I think you know it won't be decided till the last, maybe the last weekend. Definitely, the last two or three weekends for sure. So, uh, buckle up and put on the depends. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what are you, what are you thinking or hoping for? Um, the, tomorrow or Wednesday? Shit. Fuck. For uh, the, the... Uh, shit.
0: Okay, time difference Tw- wise. I think it's tomorrow. Twelve. Is it? I think it's, Jesus Christ, I is think tomorrow. it's tomorrow. About, I I might be what am I thinking anyway? Uh, I think we can win it. Um, there's a lot yeah. of people saying that we we dropped the ball Wednesday. drawing at home but uh, no I, I I definitely think it's oh yeah no it is I think I don't have to get up too early tomorrow morning then. Yeah. Um, Wednesday, yeah. Yeah. So Thursday morning my turn. Um, I it's the it's the away goals thing that's in our favor because we're a, certainly it's when we're, we're one of those teams that isn't going to go away and be trying to hold on for a draw and play for penalties. Well, we, if it gets, if the game grinds down into that style, we'll try for it. But uh-huh. if he's uh, assuming, and I've heard nothing to uh, change my mind on this, I assume Salah and Ma- um, Salah and Mane and Firmino all got out of the weekend's game fine. Um, to, you know, mm-hmm. Salah didn't score, but he, he was he was playing really well and helped helped uh, make the goals for uh, Mane and Firmino. So you know, I. There's no reason we can't go there and score a couple. Uh, you know, as good as they defended at our place, they're gonna in this game they're gonna be expected to go out and uh, push forward a little bit more, which hopefully should open up a bit more space. So, um, yeah, the away goal we're all, we're all working in our favour as long as we, you know, Klopp's got plenty of experience playing against many of these players. He knows a couple of them from coaching them. Um, obviously, Lewandowski and Hummels were a big part of Klopp's sides at Dortmund, so he's not no stranger uh-huh. to. Uh, Munich or uh, a couple of their big players so you know there's a lot of things working in our favour but then again we're going to have to go to Munich and play against one of the great sides of the last decade even if they are in the downturn a little bit it's uh, it's, uh-huh. cha- it's Champions League football so uh, could go yep. either way I'm, I'm quietly confident I would be you know, I'm always going to be disappointed to go out. I wouldn't be surprised if the game just didn't go our way. You know, a few bounces go, you know, don't go the right way, and then it it turns out to be a loss. But um, if I had to put money on it, I'd say we'll, we'll get through. So I'd say yeah. it, it's very easily could be one of those ones where we win 3-1, where they just they, they pile on some pressure and get one. But we, uh, if they happen to need if they need goals, then we can break forward and use use the space to get a couple because we've certainly got the players to to score if they get the opportunities.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you want, you like you said, you'd hope Klopp, they're going to, they got through this weekend okay, and, and you'd think they'd go for it hard this, you know, Fulham full, full on Sunday, um, which you obviously never want to count results before they happen, especially in such a tight race. But yeah. you'd like to think, even with a little bit of tired legs or, you know, some some subs in there that, that they could take Fulham, and then they have a two-week break before, before a massive, massive game, um, uh, which I will get to catch with you. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, I, think against, against I don't Stunner know I've told itself.
0: you that this yet, but I think that game's been moved to a Sunday, which means it'll be basically watching it and then taking you guys to the airport. No, <laughs> oh, hey, that's all
1: right. <laughs> yeah. So, that's uh, all right, but, as long as we get to catch it.
0: Yeah, no, so we will, yeah. Um, yeah, no, yeah, so, yeah, obviously you can't bank results, but Fulham, you know, I was at the Fulham match that we played at home against them in November, and, you know, they, put a, they, they held the line pretty well for most of the game until we got through, so, but, yeah. Fulham have fallen away a little bit more and are a little bit of a basket, not a basket case fully, but certainly I haven't had this year. They were hoping to considering they got uh, Andre Schürrle on loan as well as a few other high-profile signings. Um, Jan Michael Seri and Mitrovic, obviously at forward, they they should be having a lot better year than they have been having. So, but yeah, yeah, no, Munich, yes. Munich. I'm, I, you know, I'm confident and I'm hoping that we can. It won't be too much, too drama filled. I just want a good, solid. Yeah, 3-1, would have got what I'm genuinely hoping for. Um, I think Munich are good enough that they'll grab a goal because of the, the, the push forward they have, but uh, I have enough trust in our defense that they won't let more than one through uh, unless some crazy shit happens. And and then we've got the ability to easily score at least one, if not a couple. So, yeah, that's just how, how good our team... It's, it's nice to be in this place compared to a few years ago with the Liverpool.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Playing... Playing those European nights. Like, that's, you know, I remember when we would talk, you know, I when I came into the fold, it was – those weren't really happening. So No, we didn't uh, even have Europa, I don't think. So. <laughs> Barely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is funny enough, I'm just looking. I have the Liverpool schedule up, and I see all the little uh, emblems for the different teams. And it's just so funny. I see that Fulham logo and, like, emblem – crest, I guess I should say. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> and I just, I just think fucking Clint Dempsey, and I just – yeah, one of you, yeah. There's so. <laughs> just like I, they could be the nicest bunch of bunch of guys and whatever, but I just I fucking hate them just because yeah. of Dempsey, like, you know, God. The Dempsey effect. Yeah, the nut tapper.
0: Yeah, absolute twat. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, actually, there was one thing I was going to touch on. Um, the the U.S. women's uh, I haven't read too much about it. Obviously, over here, I've just seen the New York Times headline basically, but they've
1: sued. U.S. soccer mm-hmm. or equal pay,
0: um, how's that going down over there?
1: Uh, it's you know it's actually I think in a good way it's getting a lot of press, um, which is good. I think that's yeah. part of the part of what they want, you know, and, and what they deserve. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting topic. It's such a tough topic. I mean, obviously they need to be like first and foremost the fact that that our federation makes them play on turf so often, they get shitty travel, um, you know, they're treated like a second-class team in a lot of ways in that sense, mm-hmm. is complete horseshit. And, you know, they are carrying the torch of U.S. soccer right now, and they need to be recognized for what for what they accomplish and, and be treated as such. It, it's ridiculous. Um, you know, the whole, the, the, the actual direct pay thing is... A tough can of worms, I think, to tackle um, just because of the stark difference in revenues, which is shitty. Like, I, I mean, Brittany and I had this discussion the other night, and, um, you know, it's it's not fair that that's what it's based on, and that's what it has to be based on. But, you know, the Men's World Cup, I think they say in Qatar, or Qatar, or whatever, it's going to be $6 billion in revenue, and, and this summer's Women's World Cup is going to be like $120 million, you know, in dollar revenue. And, yeah. You know, so that alone it makes it tough to say that they eat that like payouts. Now, now pay. You know, I don't know the pay structure for U.S. soccer well enough to be able to comment on how and when, like in friendlies, U.S. friendlies, like how the pay structure works and all that. Um, yeah, there's no reason to believe that that our women shouldn't be earning way more than they earn now. There's there's no doubt about that because they are, like I said, they're the ones carrying the torch right now. Yeah. Um, but when we start to talk about, you know, World Cup, I know one of the big highlights is that um, the men getting knocked out by Belgium and whatever was that, you know, two two World Cup cycles ago.
0: 2014.
1: Um, yeah. You know, they got, as a team, they got $8 million to split, and the women winning last year, or last World Cup cycle, got $2 million to split as a team. So, you know, 25% of what the men got to get knocked out in the round of 16. Yeah. You know, and so just off the cuff, that looks and sounds atrocious and it is. It's 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 shitty and I it I it shouldn't be that way. But, you know, I guess I can see why again, just the pay, direct pay, like tournament payouts things are the way they are because of the revenue that's generated, like the mass like what 120, 120 million versus six billion, that's like like three or four like three percent or whatever I don't know. So, you know, it's it's just crazy and and I think that right there speaks larger to society uh, as a whole, which could be a whole probably podcast of its own, but yeah. of that. Why is it that way? Like, you know, we have the thorns here and we, you know, we have I've been to the couple of the U S women's games when they've, they've come through Portland and it's entertaining as hell. It's just as entertaining. Um, and it's, you know, I just don't understand, I guess, why um, it doesn't get the love maybe that it should and why these revenue, uh, revenues are so starkly different, um, and it's not just a problem. It is a problem in the U.S., but it's clearly not just a problem here. Yeah. Um, it's a world, it's a worldwide problem in that sense. So, um, I think it's incredible that the U.S. women are, are you know, on the forefront of trying to shed light on this. And I don't know what's going to happen with the lawsuit, obviously, and what USA Soccer will do. Hopefully, they do right. If nothing else, like I said. The conditions they have to play in, the the, the different conditions that they get served for, for lodging and for, for food and for travel is just ridiculous. What, what they have to deal with compared to to what the men, you know, get chauffeured around to, to get their asses kicked or not even qualify. So, you know, yeah. if nothing else, that has to change and is, you know. I, I would support uh, some sort of boycott if that doesn't change, honestly. Um, and by that, I mean by our, our women. Um, I mean, that's the so, thing. It's, it's you know, yeah. interesting
0: timing with it going into a World Cup year, too, which might be because they're hoping yeah. that uh, some resolution, well, just be, being that they're in the World Cup, they're obviously one of the, one of the perennial favorites. Um, uh-huh. Every time a World Cup comes around, uh, I, I obviously have my hope with Australia. As I said this morning in the group chat, the only good thing in Australian yeah. football at the moment is our women, um, mm-hmm. so and and it's very similar. Samesies. It's very similar here too that uh, the Australian men's team is uh, hasn't. I mean, it's never. We've never had any great hopes in them because we're such a you know small nation in, in the football world. Mm-hmm. But in two thousand six, we had a pretty good team with uh, many a lot of our players playing Premier League and whatever. But well, since then it's been shit. <laughs> but you know our women are you know. Yeah, the Thorns have three three uh, mm-hmm. Australian internationals that are very important players. And, um, Sam Kerr's the MVP in both the American Soccer League and the Australian Soccer League this year. Um, I That's think she's, crazy. I think she's the all-time leading scorer in both now already, and she's uh-huh. only 24, 25. Um, interesting side note, I never picked this up um, at all, and I don't know how I didn't. Her brother as a uh, champ- champion as Aussie rules footballer as well. <laughs> Really? Yeah, yeah. No, his name's Daniel. His name's Daniel Kerr. I remember looking at looking at a name one day. I was like, oh, she's from Western Australia. She must be. M- maybe she's related to Daniel. Oh shit! It's her brother, obviously. <laughs> so, um, good good sporting pedigree here. Won a grand final and I think you came close to winning the MVP or equivalent of it in the AFL. But yeah, so you know, Australian Australian women's football is in a very similar position where it's actually. You know, a lot of the attention still focused on what the men are going to do to fix everything, but then a lot more focus should be on actually how good the women are doing because they're just fantastic. So um, they just won the cup of nations here by you know goal difference in three games of nine to one, I think, or something like that, or nine to two maybe. But you know they were just killing it. So yeah, lots of talent deserve a lot more recognition yep. and. Um, yeah, I don't know what the pay, obviously the pay structure here is, I assume, a lot uh, very different as well. And, you know, whether the U.S. women are, you know, doing it not just for them, but there's probably, you know, depending on how that one goes, it'll be a change that'll flow through the world of women's football as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think the timing is is not accidental and is smart to yeah. to have this topic popping up, you know, two or three months before, uh, before the, 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 you know, hopefully all the you know soccer world's eyes are on, on the women in France. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, it is like people, you know, it's not an easy question to answer just again because of the revenue stuff, but you know, some revenue sharing needs to be explored, things like that. Um, and just nothing else Like get people aware of how damn good these women are and how, you know, special talent they are. Like, you know, like we've talked about, and it's already hard enough to get people in this country to watch soccer, yeah. let alone women's soccer, unfortunately. But, you know, the thing of it is, is it's it's—it's just as entertaining to watch. And, you know, these girls are, are crazy. It's, yeah. It just reminds me of the women's basketball team for, for Oregon, here too. It's the same. Like, some of the things these girls do, it's just its just amazing. They kick yeah. my ass, that's for damn sure, like up and down the field 40 times. so. Um, oh yeah, I'm sitting. Yeah, up, I think
0: behind me right now while I pod. Um, yeah, there's Andrea's golden boot and her uh, best and fairest for her team last year, and she's got her uh, oh yeah division player of the year for her whole league in the bedroom by on a nightstand is where that one lives. Um, so yeah, my own, awesome. my own wife. Whenever we go out for a kickabout just absolutely rips me apart i, t- I twisted <laughs> i twisted my bad inc- she steps on my and inc- she just just, she just tears me apart and i just end up on the floor sweating and just like yeah no you're good at this and i'm terrible <laughs> so yeah, exactly. you know it's not just a you know the you know they're genuinely talented and deserve to be re- a lot of the stars in the women's football deserve to be recognized as much as the men's because um as, and when you put the conditions into play as well what they have to deal with to get to that level um you know not to not to say the men are babied, but, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo hasn't had to worry about a thing since since he since he came onto the scene, you know, whereas the star women players right. still no matter how good they are, how star you know, how how much their profile in their own sport is as high as it can be, they're still not getting anywhere near the treatment of, you know, you know, uh, gold gold dusted pathways that Cristiano Ronaldo metaphorically walks yeah. on every day he, he lives. So, you know, it is uh, something that probably needs to be, uh, ad- ad- not even just outside of outside of football and sports, you know, the whole world is, is going through this change, hopefully for the better, yeah. in respect yeah. to women and the way they they're, um, their equal role they deserve in, in society and work and, and sports and wherever else it is. So, yeah, it'll be something that we'll probably keep an eye on as we pod for the next few months as to how it goes, leading in both to the Women's World Cup, which Andrea has finally said she wants to come on the pod to actually talk about that. So, <laughs> nice, nice. the hardest thing to get her. to I'm like you should pardon she's like no I don't know anything I'm like yes you do and then she finally was like oh yeah I'll talk about women's football cause,
1: I was going to say she's the expert the resident expert there oh, yeah, she, she bought, she,
0: she, bought the, she went to most of Adelaide United's women's games this year um, and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, no, she got right into it had a good little American playing for him this year too um, it's good fun um, anyway uh, wrap this one up because I'm on a time crunch and we want to try and get some NBA talking on another one real quick so um, yeah I'll wrap this one up uh, good good chats on football I always enjoy it especially with you having your uh, obviously having the best access to Timber's knowledge as, as anyone so
1: yeah yeah
0: um, stay sports and we'll be back with some NBA talk real soon.